The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. This show brought to you by Jersey Ninja. New items added weekly, superior quality products, excellent selection, competitive pricing, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. That's Jersey Ninja at jerseyninja.com. Your source for great quality hockey jerseys and performance wear products. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another edition of Mighty Marvel. Oh, we beat geeks. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a long day. It's been an interesting day at work. And Derek, my co-host, part of the Dashing Duo, um, I have a guest for us this week to help make up for that. Yes. And of course, this interview is going to be brought to brought to everyone by uh, the company JerseyNinja.com. So go check them out. Uh, Some great hockey jerseys, uh, hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, all types of different stuff. Uh, Go check them out. JerseyNinja.com. We have artist, writer, comic creator, Giselle Legacy with us tonight. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. And you didn't wince when I said it so i must have gotten either right or just close enough yeah it's close enough (laughs) so um i remember earlier this week when we chatted uh we we was trying to get some information uh, especially on what to talk about tonight besides past projects you're working on and you mentioned something about a kickstarter that you're gonna have coming up here in the next couple weeks tell us a little bit about it yeah like every year uh i do a kickstarter to fund the uh the printing of uh, the work that we've done in the last year, basically. Uh, And then what we do once we've uh, done that, uh, we usually go over our goals, so then we add some extra stuff to it. Like we'll do special one-shots that are are print-only that you can't find on the web and stuff like that. And uh, the thing is, is that this time around, uh, I've been kind of... uh, I was very busy with another project uh, this year, and I didn't get a chance to, uh, so I'm sort of behind with my Kickstarter, so it's actually going to be, normally it's just for one book, which covers uh, one year of the comic that I'm working on online, but right now it's going to be two books, so it's going to cover actually two years, and uh, 
then I'm going to do another Kickstarter much sooner next year because I'm already working on book five of uh, this new series that I'm on, Pixie Tricks Comics. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, that should be. Uh, I'm doing the covers right now. I mean, the content's all done. It's just a question of doing the covers, setting up the Kickstarter, uh, and then we're also going to do a, a special. Uh, and there's an issue of uh, called uh, Ultra Luminals, which is sort of like our superhero universe that we've done. That we're going to be doing a, a new issue for that that's going to be included in the Kickstarter. So. Okay. So I guess the next question would be, tell us a little bit about Pixie Tricks Comics, which is what uh, the Kickstarters are, are helping support. Although, uh, well, Pixie Tricks Comics is sort of, a, sort of like an umbrella name that, I, that uh, I started using back in 2008 when I started uh, a webcomic called Menage à Trois, which was basically a comic about this guy living with two girls and he was needing help uh, date with other women and stuff like that. Anyway. Uh, every year, again, I would be printing a book, uh, and I needed sort of like a publisher kind of name to uh, to put on the books. And within the comic, there was a, uh, a comic book store within the comic strip called Pixie Tricks Comics. So I decided to just make the publishing company uh, Pixie Tricks Comics. When Menage à Trois ended uh, back in 2019, uh, I decided I wanted to continue in this world so I did a new series called Pixie Tricks Comics. It's basically just the name of the store, and we're following the people that are working in the store. And uh, so I'm sort of like doing like Archie Comics, for instance. Like Archie Comics is a publisher, but they also publish a comic named Archie. Right. So Pixie Tricks Comics, but I also publish a comic named Pixie Tricks Comics. So that's pretty much it, really. And then within Pixie Tricks Comics, uh, they, the, the, the people that work at, at this comic book store, they sell comics, but they also decided to branch out and make comics, to create comics. And what we do for fun uh, is that we actually, the comics that they create in this world, uh, we actually make them. So this is an example when I mentioned a while ago, Ultraluminals, which is sort of like our super superhero universe. This is a comic that the characters within the comic are working on, and we actually make that comic happen. So although obviously, obviously for us, we when you're seeing the final product, it's credited to us, but in the comic, it's credited to them, you know, the characters that worked on it. So it's very similar to... Um there was a show on Netflix or HBO Max about a group making an album, and they were actually making the album as they were doing the show. Oh, yeah, I know. So this is a similar type of thing. Y'all are doing a comic about a group making comics, and then you're actually making those comics. So that sounds great. I, yeah, and then, with, and then the, the, the characters uh, actually use themselves as models. So... So let's say uh, some of the characters from the comics. So the, these characters have a, a, a new life in this other universe because, you know, some of them become superheroes. So but let's say you're someone who stumbles on this work. You can read the superhero stuff and not know that this is actually part of another series where they're, they're actually working on these comics and creating them. You know? So uh, so basically, for instance, like there's a character named Didi. She was from Menage à Trois. And Didi, well, she becomes Incredible Bell in this new universe, so so she becomes a superhero, you know. But in the in the Menage à Trois universe, in the Pixie Tricks comics universe, which is like the spinoff, she's actually a wrestler. So 
Okay. So the wrestler becomes a superhero. Kind of, you know, kind of makes sense in a way. <laughs> so I'm looking. I'm looking at your Instagram currently, and uh, I definitely know I've seen some of your work before. Um, and we've done some some uh, covers and other things. Yeah, I've done uh, I've done a lot of cover work, uh, done covers even for Marvel. Uh, I did some uh, a little bit of DC, but it wasn't covers. It was I did more artwork for their. Um, at one point, they had uh, a special sort of like on women superheroes. They did like this book where it was just women superheroes and they wanted like images to represent each one. So uh, they asked me to do a few for that. Uh, I didn't do much for DC, um, but uh, I did some covers for Dynamite, like for Vampirella, um, other properties that they have. I had a series with them called Betty Boop. So I did Betty Boop and it was totally different for me, but it was fun. Uh, then I did cover work for um, IDW with Jim and the Hologram. But then I ended up doing the, some of the interiors, uh, the, the last arc for that uh, series. And also, obviously, uh, what people you know know this, rec- recognize me for is a, a lot of the work that I've done for Archie Comics, uh, especially the uh, Archie Meets Ramones, which I did you know, a few years ago. Oh, yes, yes. I uh, love that series. Yeah, the Archimedes Ramones was something that uh, a lot of people know me for because, you know, the Ramones are fairly popular. So uh, it was uh, something that uh, people really connected with. And uh, But, you know, uh, then most most people know me for Menage à Trois, the, the webcomic that I did for over 10 years, uh, which ended in 2019. But like I said, again... Uh, it is, I mean, Pixie Tricks comics is sort of like the continuation of that comic. So, because some characters from the, the series do appear in this uh, new series, you know. I like that idea. I mean, we did uh, other spinoffs with Menage Claw, but the Pixie Tricks comics is the one that we're currently working on now. Uh, and like I said, we're doing all these uh, superhero comics that they're working on. Uh, some of them are not only superhero. Like, we have one series called Infernica Sin, which is closer to what, you know, maybe one would say something similar to, like, Vampirella. Uh, Vampirella does sort of have a superhero aspect to it, where she does try and do good and help out and stuff. Right. And Frannica Sin is a succubus, and she has, um, she has like, two forms. She has a, a form which is uh, less demonic, and then there's one where if she goes, uh, like, this rage, then she becomes... Not that good, basically. So she has to control her, um, the, 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 the rage version of herself, you know? It's like, um, so, but, so I don't feel that's totally superhero-like, but it's a bit, sort of like Vampirella. Now, with a lot of your stuff, uh, it, it's definitely more on the edgier side. Mm-hmm. Why Why go that direction? Well, I think it just happened by, uh, I, was, I don't think I, 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 I knew that that's what I was actually doing. Uh, I just wanted to do uh, funny, uh, funny jokes. And I tend to, I mean, for me, uh, sex is funny. So it's like, uh, I don't, I see it more as a, a comedic thing. And, um, my mother, uh, when she used to, she used to work at this place where they, they would, guys, I guess, would fax over these jokes from uh, Playboy and whatnot. And she would bring them home, I guess, for my dad. But 
I would always read them, and I thought they were really funny. Uh, I guess I, I there was something about sexual uh, humor that appealed to me, and uh, I think I just naturally gravitated towards it without even knowing that that's what I was doing. Like, I never set out to say, oh, I'm going to do porn, because I don't feel that what I'm doing is... is no. It's really just... It's jokes about... Uh, it's just sex is involved, uh, but it's a sexual... It's a bit like... I don't know if you've seen the, recently on Netflix the, the show called Sex, sex Education. Love that show. Oh, yeah. We love that show, yeah. yeah love that show. There's there's sex involved, but it's really more about the situations, the people, their their, their lives, and right. it's just right. once in a while there is sex involved, you know. I was gonna say it, it works for Hollywood. I mean, from yeah. from the era we grew up in, uh, I'm not gonna discuss age, but you know, we grew up in the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, look at a lot of the I'm, I almost want to say B movies, but not really B movies. Look at a lot of the, the campy movies that came out back then. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about sex. I mean, there was sex involved, but they made it funny. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've I've always liked humor, and uh, the the David Lumsden, who's the co-writer uh, on the series with me, uh, we both you know grew up on you know the same type of series that we were reading when we were younger, and we just love uh, that type of humor. So I think it was. We both feed each other in a way, do this stuff, <laughs> and uh, we, we just go for it. Yeah, it's like, uh, and you know, and this also what led me to uh, working uh, with uh, Tim Seeley recently on Money Shot. And that, was that that's another series that's sort of the same way. Uh, it's uh, there's sex in it, but it's more about you know the characters, their relationships. Uh, it's funny. Um, the, so I thought, you know, when he asked me to, to help him with that, um, it made sense to me. Like, I, I could see myself do it, you know. It felt like a, a series that I actually could have created myself. So I was like, yeah, well, I, I can do this, you know. So so almost a natural fit, then. Oh, yeah, it was a natural fit. And then the uh, in this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, comic from the 80s called Cherry Pop-Tart. Yes. <laughs> anyway, she, she's a guest one. star. She's a guest star in the in this series. Um, I th- again, that was something. I mean, I will admit that Cherry was a little bit more uh, pornographic than what I would would have done, you know. Uh, but in the Money Shot, it's not really treated the same way. It's it's she's she's there, but she's uh, her sexual activities are closer to what you would see in Money Shot versus what you would have seen in Cherry Pop Tart. Because uh, Larry, <clears throat> who created um, the cherry, he went a little bit further with it than I than I would have gone. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's you know, it is what it is. So when when you get contacted by um, a company like Archie mm-hmm. to, to work on their stuff, does it ever come back about you know we we've seen your work with like Money Shot or Menage a Trois? Uh, we, yeah. we want something like that, but not quite like that. Well, uh, when I first <clears throat> when I first started with uh, Archie, uh, they actually discovered my work. Uh, the people that were in production were reading my comics online, so they and they thought that my style was sort of similar to Archie, so they thought I would be a good fit. So they were sort of the ones that tried to get me in there to try mm-hmm. and do some work for Archie. Uh, so I didn't really have to do anything. It, it just kind of came to me. Only because my style was similar to it, like I was, I wasn't totally Archie, just, but but the artists from Archie were some of my influences. So obviously it was there. 
Okay. Uh, it, it, there was not much for me to do to make it fully archy, basically. And, um, so when they approached me, I know for the first while, for the like, first year, because I did a few things for them, they would only credit me with my first name. They would not put my last name. So I guess they were kind of afraid that they would, someone could connect the dots as to who I was, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, it didn't take long that it made no sense to do that and then by the time I was doing Archie Meets Ramones they were they were giving me full credit and it's uh, you know people that were bothered by it is I mean you know it, they can't even hide the fact that Dan DiCarlo who was their main guy uh, did draw for like these uh, pornographic uh, not pornographic but something like Playboy like he used to do these uh, sexual jokes and they would go right. in these magazines and stuff like that they, he was known for that Yet, mm-hmm. he did work for Archie. He was doing more, uh, you know, clean stuff, and uh, which, you know, he had the cute style, and everybody was trying to copy it. And and to be fair to him, too, like, I mean, all the stuff he was doing for these magazines, for these men's magazines, they were, it wasn't, like, super dirty pornographic. Again, it was just sexual humor, a joke like you would see in Playboy, you know, like a one-off. Right, right. Right, yeah. It was nothing that bad. So, you know... <laughs> For me, uh, I, I sometimes I feel people are just they, they freak out for nothing. Most kids they they, they stumble on they, they they would stumble on these jokes from Playboy and wouldn't even understand what's going on. So it's like you know it's it's, it's just a joke and it's nothing. Even the, the details it's it's very cartoony. Uh, so it's kind right. of but there's there's nothing to me. I don't even find it that sexual personally. It's, so you mentioned um, some of the Archie artists were some of your inspira- inspiration. Um, what what else? Who else? Who else, would you, who else was your inspiration and might have helped um, helped you form your style? Uh, a lot of the uh, when I was growing up, there was a. I was, I'm from New Brunswick in Canada, but uh, my parents for a while were moved when I was really young to uh, to Quebec. Uh, a little little place called Shefferville up north in Quebec. There was a mine there. My father was in the mine. Mm. And um, uh, I used to um, watch... In Quebec, they used to bring a lot of uh, Japanese animation over and yeah. dub it in French. Mm. A lot of, like, a, like there's a... Like for us, for me, it was a Galdarak, but I think in English it's called Grandizer. No, oh, yes. Yeah, there's Grandizer, then there was, uh, what's the other one? There's um, Albatal, which is Captain Harlock, I think that's called. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there was another series, which was sort of my favorite, but that's very girly. I never made it in English. It was called Candy Candy, which is basically, uh, if you're familiar with shoujo manga, it's uh, it was sort of like the first like, really popular shoujo manga that everybody then tried to copy. Uh, this little orphan girl. It follows this little orphan girl, and it, it, through her life, as she gets older, she becomes an adult, and all her problems, her career, and stuff like that. It's like, like it's very complex for a child. Like it wasn't something that you would see. Like most cartoons or comics, cartoons that would create for Saturday morning cartoons, it was always like a fixed thing. You know, like Scooby Doo was. They would never change. It's always the same age. It's always, you know, you know that at the end, bad guys, someone with a mask on and stuff like that. But but Candy Candy was very different because, you know, you follow her. She's a, she gets adopted. Well, first she's in the orphanage. She gets adopted. Then she, she goes to school. She ends up being an adult. And then she, 
she she has two lo- two loves that she had one one's and one ended up marrying someone out of guilt because he she had, was in an accident and becomes an alcoholic so there there's all like these really <laughs> adult problems in these these social mangas that are made for kids yet there are these adult situations in there and um, I guess I was really uh, it was something that I really loved and the the art. I think influenced me without me knowing it. So I I was watching a lot of Japanese animation and then I was reading stuff like Archie and I think it just blended together. So a lot of people think they, they call my style Archie. I've heard, I've heard that a little bit. So it's like, it's <laughs> like the Archie anime. So it's like Archie, you know. So it's like that. So if someone explains my style, it's Archie. So it's sort of like Archie and anime, just like put together in a blender and let's go. But you know, I I once depending on the project, like when I worked on Manisha, I, I because I knew that the previous artists were a little bit more realistic than what I would have done. I make an effort to try and be a little bit more realistic, you know. So uh, I, I can do it. It's just it's not something that comes that naturally to me. I, I prefer to have a a little bit of a more cartoony style, you know. So, yeah. But I mean, there's others too. Like, I mean, I was a big fan of uh, Garfield growing up, but yeah, my style is obviously nothing like Garfield, but I think that I, I loved the humor when I was really, really young. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I really loved you know, it. Now, I see that now it's it's not as funny as it was when I was younger, but, uh, you know, it, it is something that still uh, influenced me in the sense that I was you could tell that it was someone who looked for humor in the work that I consumed. Everything that I did, the, 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 that wanted to entertain me had to have humor in it and wanted funny stuff. So, yeah. And there's also a lot of European stuff because I was living in Quebec. So, like, aesthetics, uh, Tintin, which I think you guys call Tintin, I'm not sure. Yeah. And there's a look, Lucky Look. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, our, aesthetics was probably one of my... Uh, favorite ones in the European ones, but there's the Smurfs, uh, which were les Strumpf in, uh, in French. We used to collect the little Strumpfs, the, the little uh, Smurfs, you could get these little figures. Yeah. I think it's them now. I would had them all, you know, the, the glasses. And I remember just, those as a kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do too. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish I still had those, but uh, I don't. I think I may have one guy left somewhere. I think the guy, the one with the glasses, I think I still have So is there, Sorry. Are, are there any particular characters you would love to draw for, or? Um... Uh, well, you know, uh, I've, I'm a big fan of Vampirella. Uh, mm-hmm. When I say big fan of Vampirella, I'm a big fan of the old Vampirella. I love stuff from the 70s. Um, so I wouldn't mind taking a stab at doing some Vampirella, but it would, it would need to be uh, done sort of like a 70s style. Uh, so I don't think it'll ever happen because that's <laughs> not the direction they've been going on for decades. So they uh-huh. be going towards this very realistic look. And uh, in the 70s, it was there was a variation. Some of it was a bit more cartoony. Some of it was sort of like a in-between, like a hybrid, where there were some elements that were sort of like realistic, but then some were more cartoony. And uh, like, and anyway, uh, if I could do something closer to what they were doing in the seventies, I would be really interested in doing that. But it won't happen. Uh, uh, 
Uh, aside from that, there's not really that many characters. I mean, you know, usually I prefer, like, in a sense, when a money shot came around and uh, the cherry was in there, I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. Here's this character that sort of looks like Archie Comics and... I was familiar with Cherry when I was younger, like uh, like in my 20s, whatever, when they came out. And it was like, oh, was, I never thought I'd be working on this because a creator-owned product. Um, but here, here I am. I was, I was drawing uh, Cherry, which was kind of like kind of fun, you know. I think um, even Betty Boop. I, I never would have expected to work on Betty Boop, and. Even when they approached me to, to work on it, I was like, why? I'll never draw Betty Boop like a man. I can't draw that character. But then I tried it, and I was like, you know what? I think I can actually do this. So I think uh, I think sometimes other people know more than I do what I should be working on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when it shows up, I'm sort of like surprised. But at the same time, you know, I was, I'm very glad that I did this Betty Boop, for instance, which is a style that was totally different than what I would have done. And, but I learned from it, and um, yeah, there's something really pleasing to the eye with the, that style. And uh, but in superheroes, I don't know, uh, maybe maybe Bad Girl, I don't know. Uh, again, it's like I kind of do, I kind of do my own version of this anyway with my own comics. Like I have a character called Nightingale, which is sort of like a bad girl. If you if you're trying to look for something as close what it could look like, uh, so I don't feel the need to, to draw these characters for others because I kind of satisfy myself with what I'm working on. Mm. So uh, yeah, so I can't think of anything else. I mean, I did like doing the covers for Gwenpool. I thought that that was fun. So I mean, you know, if they can approach, to be quite honest, uh, when they if they approach you for something. These days, you don't want to commit for too long because uh, it, it can be a lot of work, and I have other stuff to do. So, uh, like even just I, I did like five issues for Money Shot, and for me that took me a fair bit of time because I was working on my own stuff at the same time. So, uh, I can't commit a hundred percent fully sometimes to something because I cannot stop what I'm doing on my own because that's what I'm doing on my own is what actually pays the bills. So this other stuff that. I take on on the side. It's just like uh, they're side gigs, so it's like extra money, you know. Uh, like um, so that's why I, I can only do so much. So. I I will say I was first introduced to uh, your work with Gwynpool. Okay. Because I'm a huge Gwynpool fan. Okay. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they came up with this character Gwynpool because initially I thought, oh, it's Gwen Stacy. No, it's a totally, it's Gwynpool. <laughs> but then they turned her into a Deadpool-like character. And um, I I love the obscure characters. Squirrel Girl, I love. I, um, I think I could have done a pretty good, I, I could have done Squirrel Girl. I mean, I, I think I could have been a good fit for that. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, but uh, they uh, we've never before it. So. Wimpool was just one that was so so much fun. And uh, over on our Marvel show, we have actually interviewed Heather Antos, who was okay. pretty yeah, much was one there. of the ones responsible for Gwenpool coming coming to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was there uh, when I did the, the covers for for that. It wasn't really her that approached me for the covers. It was Jordan White, who was the yeah. editor at the time. Yeah. Jordan White, is, uh, he's, he's followed my work for a long time. He's always supporting the Kickstarter. So uh, so he came one time I was at the New York Comic Con, and he came to see me. He says, oh, he says, uh, you think you can do some covers for Gwenpool? And I said, sure. 
I did a few covers for Wimpool, and I was glad that one of them made the the trade, uh, the cover for I think oh. it was the third yeah. trade. So that was nice. And yeah, uh, uh, I want to say Heather at that time was his assistant. Yeah, she was. She was assistant. working directly under him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was dealing more with him, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a few emails with her mixed in. You know, Thorne's a great guy as well. Yeah, so I, th- I don't think he's with that anymore. I think he ended up with the Star Wars work or X Men. Uh, he went to Star Wars uh, when he had Gwynpool. He also had Star Wars because uh, Heather was, want to say, partially responsible for encouraging. Um, oh, what's his name? The Vader series, um, and then later started uh, Doctor Afra. Okay, she she helped encourage the Afra getting her own title. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, which is a shame because it's one of my favorite books, and, and he's a great creator. Well, in any case, uh, um, she, 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 he, I think, I think he ended up on X Men. I think he's, yeah. is he, is he still on X Men? I, I can't. Think, I think he is. I actually kind of like the the Hickman uh, stuff that not happened a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. With the Krakoa thing, and that was yep. kind of—I don't know where they're at. I haven't followed yeah. up, but I did enjoy that. Uh, I just had—I didn't really follow up after that. So. So a little a little side question here because I, I was looking at your website and saw you were in a band called Barbarella. You're you're a bassist. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm a bassist. I was a bit. I can play multiple instruments, but I, I choose the bass because I uh, I was a big fan of Gene Simmons when I was a kid. Okay. And um, I wanted to be Gene Simmons. I would go to Halloween. I would always dress up as Gene Simmons. <laughs> so anyway. Yes. Have you, it, it, like, let's, let's say, for instance, New York Comic Con, have you ever thought about reaching out to Jordan and getting together for a little jam with he and his ukulele and you and your bass? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he knows that I'm a musician. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he, he, he might suspect that I am a musician. I mean... I mean, I'm one of the person that is, I'm very faithful with instruments. If you, if you like all the work that I've done, because I, mean, I did the work for Jim and Hologram, then I did the, the Archimedes Ramones. There's also like a lot of musicians in my own comics. So anytime there's an instrument showed, you know, it's always an instrument that exists. You can tell what it is and stuff like that. So, uh, Versus, you know, some some people will draw a guitar with five strings, for instance, you know. Uh, they, they have no idea what they're drawing. Uh, but, um, it wasn't a so, guitar, yeah. they actually drew a bass. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, uh, yes, I was in a band called Barbarella. It was an all-girl band in Montreal. Uh, and it was from uh, late 80s uh, to early to mid-90s. Uh, we had an album. Uh, it was French, but we did do some. When we did bars, we would do some uh, English covers to, because we only had so many originals, so we had to fill up the time. You know? So uh, did that. We did sort of like this. We we had like a video that would run on uh, Much Music and Music Plus, which is sort of like our MTV here in Canada. And uh, yeah, did that for a while. But you know, like anything. Uh, oddly enough, which was really strange, is that I was on the road, and when I was back then, there was no internet, or if there was, it was like very. Uh, I mean, we're talking early '90s here, so it was really not a lot of people had internet, um, and it would have been like really, really, really bad dialogue. Anyway, uh, I would so to pass the time, uh, I would read comics uh, on the road. And uh, I could see comics really grow, like in, in the early 90s. There was sort of like a boom, you know. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I was thinking to myself, when I was a kid, I used to draw a fair bit. I mean, I could maybe do this stuff. And I thought to myself, maybe I'd be making more money doing this than doing music. That, that's what I thought, you know. So, uh, so I, I decided to uh, put music aside for a little bit and just go to university to try and learn more about art. I ended up becoming a graphic designer, which is totally not comics, but uh, it did end, end up helping me uh, do design and uh, like put books together, create logos, and I sort of had like a visual sense of what's pleasing to the eye. Right. And then I just learned comics, how to do comics on my own. So my graphic design work helped me uh, then become the publisher that I am because I do publish my own work and create my own stuff. Uh, I know what the printer wants. I can deal directly with the printers. I don't need anybody to to put this together for me. Uh, I even ended up doing web design when I was a graphic designer, so I was able to do my own sites. Uh, I was like, so because I could do all of this stuff, uh, it, I didn't have to hire anybody, and I could control what everything looked like. And um, and you know, if, if if music would be needed, I could even do the music. And it's just up to now. I didn't have to do that. But uh, I've always been kind of artistic and wanted to do all kinds of things that's related to art. But in regards to the bass, if we're coming back to that, uh, I could play guitar because I would, I would mo- write most of the songs on guitar. I would even like do the solos for the, because uh, back then there were solos and songs. We don't really see them anymore. But anyway, back then there was guitar solos and I would do those. And, nice. <laughs> but, you know, then the guitar player would have to learn what I did. Uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we see all the time. Like if you think of, let's say, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with the band Ghost. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, Ghost, uh, when he first started, like, he was doing everything. Like, he could, you know, he play the guitar or whatever, whatnot. But then he goes on stage and he's just singing. People don't know that he's actually, a, he can play all this stuff in the back if he wanted to. So, um, so for me, it was it was sort of that, you know, like, in studio for the songs, sometimes I would be playing guitar. But on stage, I wanted to be on bass. Like, I wanted to be known as someone who played the bass because it, fit me more as a as an image you know but um that was one thing i wanted to do other music as well but the, the comic stuff just ended up overtaking uh all my time and uh i ended up putting sadly putting my music sort of on the side and sometimes i kind of regret a bit of it but uh at the same time you know you gotta pay the bills and then you continue and you, you just get stuck in this loop you know and um, that's what I'm in right now. Uh, but now I am exploring um, bringing our properties to, um, to TV and uh, film and maybe even video games. Uh, I'm teaming up with someone who's in Toronto who's got a company. Uh, this hasn't been announced yet, but it's going to should be fairly soon. But we're, we're teaming up to see if we can do like a... Uh, maybe like web series of Minnesota uh, and stuff like that. See if we can get that going. Oh, excellent! Like who knows? You know, uh, you think of Cobra Kai, for instance, that started, yeah. you know, just like a web series and ended up being more of a full-fledged show. Yeah. So, right. But we're going to experiment with that, and uh, so at least I have 
I've met people now that can maybe help me with that because that is something that I cannot do by myself. <laughs> I can do a lot of stuff like all the graphic design work and whatnot, but when it comes time to like, there's like a TV show or whatever, or even a video game, it's really hard. I tried, I tried to learn programming to do a video games, so, but um, it would take so much time for me to do that. I would have, oh, yeah. like, it would take me like ten years to get this this video game out, you know. Yeah. So I, you just need help for certain things and video games and tv stuff is is where you need help for sure yeah i have a a a friend who who does video games uh small games like mobile games and stuff and he he went to school for years to do that Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's 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 just a very long process especially programming the programming part just uh, takes forever and uh like i'm not I'm an artist. It's not really one to look at code, you know, but even though when I was doing websites, I did have to look at the code. So it's not like if I don't understand code, it's just it's not something that comes naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So it's longer for me to, to, to do anything because it's it's work. It's more work for my brain. And um, so, yeah, it gets, it's very slow. Like I said, I did manage to do little things in a game like to I learned to do the, the very basic stuff but it's just not enough to, to I don't want to put that out basically you know I want, I want to put something out that's professional that looks good right uh, you know the, they, that would clearly need a, a team of people to work on it you know okay. um let me go back to the kickstarter real quick mm-hmm. when are when's the target date of you uh looking to uh-huh. launch that uh, I'd like to, to launch it um, mid-October to late-October. It has to be sometime in October. Okay. And it'll be running probably all through, like, uh, almost to the end of November. Okay. Uh, and then I'll, I'll try to ship stuff as soon as I can before Christmas. Uh, oh, usually, wow. yeah, I'll be shipping probably a little bit before Christmas, and then it'll probably fall into January because I, I'm just, again, just by myself with my partner, we... Um, he, he does all the, the, the labels and shipping and stuff, but then I, have, I help out with all the packaging and stuff and because I have to sign the books and so make sure that everybody's getting what they want because I do, they, I, I always have people, they, they can add on stuff, so I'm usually the one who knows where everything is. So it does take a while for me to do because I'm, I don't hire anybody to do this. Like sometimes people will hire these companies to, to, to fulfill the, the, the Kickstarter, but I don't do that. Meaning, it might could take me two to three months to go through it, you know. But there are people that back my projects are aware of that because they know that that's how I function. But again, they know that it always they always receive their what they pledge for. And if there's anything wrong with it, I'll send another copy. You know? So I've been pretty good with that. I mean, I've been doing it since 2014, so almost 10 years now. So it's like uh, I think they, they they can trust me at this point. So. Yeah. I would think so. <laughs> oh yeah, I've done I've done a fair bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one year, so it's almost almost ten now. I mean, we're going to be uh, twenty twenty four, and I started in fourteen. So, yeah. Oh, I definitely. I, I did two, but I'm, I don't, I think it was mostly one one per year. I, I definitely can't wait for this one to come out because I'm actually going to try and participate in this one cool. for sure. Yeah, usually we we. Uh, it's usually for the, the the latest books that we worked on, but we we always have uh, pledges where that includes uh, the previous books if someone wants the past stuff, or it can just be added on as an add-on. Uh-huh. You can select oh, cool. what books you want added, you know, that you're missing and stuff like that. So, oh, cool. 
Very cool. Um, Eric, you got any more questions? I do. Um, I always wonder, I always wonder when I, when I get to talk to artists or whatever, I always wondered, um, for you personally as an artist, what is, what would you say is something you, you love when you draw and something that you, that you don't like to draw, but sometimes you have to like, you know, some artists, like maybe they don't like drawing cars or animals or something. Is there anything like that? Well, I mean, I think most people don't like drawing cars. Which <laughs> like, is very, I, and I love cars. I absolutely adore cars. I'm a, I'm a car maniac. But uh, yeah, they're not fun to draw. <laughs> I usually have to look up a lot of reference. Uh, I don't make up cars. I don't, because if you just, you, if you can make it up on the fly, they, they always look like cars from the 70s, very square. <laughs> they're just shaped in, there's no roundness to them. And so cars are very complex. So they're not really fun to dress. So you really do need a lot of reference. And most people these days use reference. It's, they're like 3D models to help them out. Or a lot of photo reference. You have no choice. I mean, it's just so bizarre a uh, shape. It's not. It's not something that can easily be uh, just drawn like that out of memory. For for instance, you know, there's just no way. So, um, and horses are tough. Horses just have a weird. But you know, I've heard that. Yeah, they're they're just a little bit tough. They're just weird, long, weird legs and where the muscles are and stuff. So they're a little bit complex. So they're they're not the most fun. Again, a lot of reference for those. But uh, like like, but it's not all animals. Like cats are really fun. Cats I can draw. I, I don't even need reference for cats. They're <laughs> just so easy to, to to do. And also because maybe because I owned a few, I kind of know what they look like and how they're shaped and everything and what they would do and what they would not do. Uh, aside from that, uh, I don't know. There's there's some things like I don't think people realize that uh, when we're drawing, uh, people interacting with each other. Uh, as soon as people start like like I'm, I I do a lot of um, in, in our karma there there are wrestlers where we have to and sometimes there are wrestling scenes. And wrestling is uh, is not that easy because there's a lot of people in weird positions. And they're touching each other because they're grabbing each other, and they're like, you know, putting themselves in weird positions that you would not would not see normally, you know. Right, right. So I don't want to say that I don't enjoy doing it because I am doing it, but it's not easy. It's not as easy as just drawing someone who's just standing there talking with a, you know, just doing nothing, holding a glass or whatnot. You know, as soon as you start making that character interact with another one. And they're like fighting or whatnot, and they're touching and grabbing, and so you have to see does this is work, you know? So, so you have to sometimes even like act it out and see what's possible, or look up it, look it up, the videos online and on YouTube, and see a fight in action and see how it works and how they can do stuff, you know? So you gotta do a lot of screen grabs and try and grab something. Okay, that that can kind of show what this movement could look like. So. Uh, yeah, so I don't think it's something you don't like. It's just some some scenes may require more work than other scenes. Like it's weird because when if you think of comics, you think okay, I'll, like they, they'll let's say for traditional people that work for these companies and there's like a page rate for instance for a page. Well, you know, one page can take you six hours, let's say, to do, but another can take you twelve hours. But you're going to be paid the same. But it's just because one page is putting so much stuff that. Right. They're more complex and more work to, to, to 
put into it, you know, because they're not easy scenes. So, uh, also, I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody likes to draw a crowded scene in New York, for instance, you know, from a certain angle where you'd have to see everybody, let's say from like a bird's eye view, let's say, of a downtown New York with tons of people, tons of cars. Uh, I don't think that's fun to draw. <laughs> like, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> a lot of cars, a lot of people. Uh, that would be, like, you know, that would be a panel that would take you, like, two days to do versus another panel, which would just take you an hour, you know? Right. Like, so that, that's why... So, I don't think it's like that artists hate doing it. I think it's just like, oh, you're going to ask me to spend two days on this panel? You know, so I think that's the frustrating part because if it happens too often, well, then the page rate doesn't really reflect the time that you put on it. So you need some easy pages in between to help you out, you know, So because if you're stuck just doing stuff like, like let's say the writer's like always doing these scenes downtown and it's like you always these shots like relax I'll be spending a year on this you know so it's like, so yeah I think it's more that so I don't think artists don't like doing it I think it's, it's more because it's asking a little bit more effort maybe for the money that they're paid you know so. mm. yeah that makes total sense they would, if they could double the page rate, I guess, for these pages, maybe artists wouldn't complain as much, you know? We say, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. more sense, you know? Yeah. I see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got anything else, Derek? Um, I think that's all I have at the moment. Okay. Well, I'm going to do that one segment we do with every interview. And I'm also going to say this is being brought to us by JerseyNinja.com. Because I totally spaced at the beginning that we do this segment. I'm going to flip the tables. I'm going to let Giselle ask us a couple questions. Some questions? Yeah. Oh okay. Give, well. give, give the interviewee a chance to be the interviewer. Interviewer. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, um, what what read, what comics are you reading to these days? I for me, I am definitely hard into um, pretty much everything Star Wars. Okay, uh, for sure. Is it Marvel that's still putting yes. that out? Yes, and Dark Horse also has uh, some titles now as well. Okay, um, but it's mainly the the Marvel stuff that I'm reading. Okay. Um, like they just started the whole uh, dark droid story arc okay. crossover, uh, which I want to get into. And uh, I'm a huge Dr. Afro fan. Uh, always have been. Um, Bounty Hunters I've been enjoying as well. Uh, DC wise, anything that comes out uh, dealing with Larflees, uh, the Orange Lantern or any Riddler <laughs> story, I, I gravitate to because I'm a huge Riddler fan. Mm-hmm. Um, dark Horse. um been really getting into uh, Sergio Angonis's Gru. I, I, I've been a fan of his. Is he still doing it? Yes, he's still doing Gru. Oh, yeah. oh my God, that's great. Um, and uh, we've had another series that I've been been reading lately. Um, IDW uh, Image. It's just if there's something that just happens to catch my mind or catch my eye. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's one of those, you know, if the cover looks right, uh, I'll do a, a quick skim through it. If if the interior um, continues the vibe from the cover, then uh, chances are I'm going to pick it up. 
So, uh, Zoe, my daughter gets every now and then, uh, Lumberjanes and, and I read it uh, cause I, I enjoy reading it. It's a fun little book as well. Nice. So, uh, but I did enjoy, um, I, I, I have enjoyed when Archie has done, uh, the different crossovers like Archie and the Ramones, Archie and Batman. Um, yeah. Oh, there, were, there was a big horror one that just happened. Oh, Archie versus uh, Archie and Predator, I believe it was. Yeah. I think they did two series for that. Though. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I preferred the first one it was because it was it was done in the Archie style, so it was really funny to see the Archie style and the Predator and all the gore. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. So that that's what I'm for the most part is, is predominantly Star Wars, but um, mm-hmm. I do you know like your stuff. Um, I, I I have been going back and, and reading it because um, I I do love uh, the the smaller into more independent creator own comics as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, I have another friend who, who had done some stuff in the past uh, and I was reading his stuff. Uh, it's like a, a gentleman by the name of Tom Hodges. Okay, so, and he, uh, yeah, so he, he said some stuff that, that I was reading in the past. Yeah. I mean, you, you can probably also notice uh, that even though uh, I consider myself a comic book artist, that with the work that I do, like the, the strips that are online, you can tell my influence is a lot of comic strips from the newspapers. Yes. Like I was really, I was really into the comic strips in the newspapers. So I like to have an update. I, I like, I like that each page has something like a, either a gag or a punch or. It's not like if you're reading a comic, or sometimes you can go two, three pages before something really big happens. You know. Right. So, um, so it's written in this sort of like a different way. There, there, there's almost a payoff on on every page. Yeah, there's like a payoff to, to, to draw you into the next into the next page. Yeah. Yeah, because someone can stumble on it and uh, like, oh, this was funny or whatnot, and then they'll come back for the the, the next page. You know? Yeah. But what about you, Derek? What, what, what are you reading? Um, I I read a lot of the Star Wars stuff too. Um, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Um, always been a fan of Spider-Man, um, Batman, stuff like that. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um. And then one, one thing I really uh, have been doing lately that I've been doing is I like to try to pick up uh, first issues of whatever, I, you know, whatever I can find on, on the racks that looks kind of interesting. And uh, I found some interesting stuff doing that, um, some, you know, independent stuff, some image stuff, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always fun to, to try to find a new series that, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that's part of the uh, the fun of collecting comics. It's uh, you try to discover that 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 next big thing, you know. It's right. Like, yeah. I mean, you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. For sure. Do have you? Do you guys read any uh, <clears throat> newspaper strips, or did in the past, or kinds of newspaper strips? Oh yeah, in the past, I used to read. You know, uh, Garfield, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I used to love uh, Haggard the Horrible. Yeah, I was going to say Haggard. <laughs> um, you can't can miss the far side. Love far the far side. side. Oh, I love the far side, yes. Love the far side. Yeah. I loved, uh, I was, even though a lot of it in the beginning, it was above my head, I loved Doonesbury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit more. Uh, I mean, it was definitely more adult at the yeah, time yeah, I was more reading adult. it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. And there's um, some kinds of were pretty good there's one I think that and I think he saw one called Get Fuzzy that was really fun yeah 
Uh, I think he stopped. Now, there's one recently that I'm seeing sometimes on my, uh, my, my I think my, my homepage is from Microsoft, and then they're showing comics here and there, and they were showing a comic called Deflocked. It's not Go Comics, but anyway, it's just, it's, I had never really heard of this web strip, the comic strip, and it's, it's syndicated. And uh, I read a few, and I thought it was really, really funny. And he's been doing it for a long time, but it's just like I had never really stumbled on it. I guess whatever newspaper I was reading at the time weren't carrying it, but uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Back, back in the day. totally different than what I would do, obviously. And uh, I, I like it. I, sometimes I like really simple stuff, really yeah. simple art. And I thought it was really cute, you know. So, like Mutz, if you think of Mutz, Mutz, the art is so... Very simple, but it's really cute, yep. and there's um, yep. something about it. Uh, back in the day, I would read a lot of the Star Wars newspaper comic strips. Oh yeah, they did those. I remember. Yeah. And it, and that and that had a different timeline, or it, that was not set in the same universe as the original Marvel comics. Okay. It was like they were two separate uh, streams. Okay. Um, but I also I also uh was big on um like the old uh Flash Gordon comic strips and the uh Oh yeah. And I was also big on um the, the old Superman comics. Yeah. Did they uh, ever collect the ones from Star Wars in the cuz I know they collected like the Superman ones, but I don't know if they collected the Star Wars ones. Hold that thought. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, they must have at some point, I would imagine. Yeah, I know they, they. I know IDW was collecting a whole bunch of them because they collected all of the early Archies from like the forties, the, the all the Bob Montana stuff, mm. and that was great. It's like uh, I kind of really wish comic strips were sort of like that again, you know? Yeah, I've got. I, really, I have to get the other two books. Okay, but. I have book one. Oh yeah. So is it? So who did it? Who who published it? Uh. Is it Marvel. It is. Uh, I think a collaboration between Marvel and IDW. I was okay. once it was IDW that put it up. Yeah, IDW is the, the publisher. Yeah, it makes sense. Good. They they do a lot of the old comic strips. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I, I love this book. Yeah. And, and there there's two other editions. Um. I think they've ended up covering all of it. Um, and I know there's at least two other books. There's a volume two, volume three, and just haven't had a chance to get them yet. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of these old collections of, uh, yeah, I have the ones for Betty Boop and stuff. And IDW published, uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was IDW that did the, uh, the Betty Boop ones. I think that was Titans. I can't if I remember correctly. But anyway, uh, all the IDW ones are, are really nice. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that stuff. It's, uh, Kind of, you know, sometimes I wish I was would have been born a few decades earlier, and I would be working on these when when those strips were really popular in the newspapers, you know. But, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, now web comics are sort of that, but it's uh, it's not exactly the same feeling as opening the newspaper and having this page full of comics, and it's just, it was so much fun. Yeah, you can still do that a little bit, but it's not the same. You know? That's what don't give them the, the space that they used to have. They, they used to be printed really big. Now they're printed small and they're hard to see. And it's like, yeah, um, it's yeah. the same. Mm. No, that is what it is. So, yeah. Do you have any other questions for us? Uh, I don't know. 
I'm a metalhead and I like music, so ah, what, what, nice. what kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> Are you metalhead? I'm a metalhead. Uh, I've been bouncing. I have Sirius XM in my car right now, and I've been bouncing uh, lately between Ozzy's Boneyard and um, and First Wave. Okay, so a little bit of that. Ozzy, that means uh, you're kind of a metalhead. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kiss, uh, Judas Priest, uh, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, uh, a lot of the classic stuff. Mm of the modern stuff um really do get into uh five finger, five finger death punch okay um they're they're probably the hardest i go now and, and they're but there there's a lot of stuff about uh the lead singer uh that i've seen online and i read about that i really respect and i've gone back and listened to this again really enjoy the music so uh he i, I almost wish there were more more stars like him uh with some of the stuff that I've seen him do, that yeah, it's been amazing. Nice. Um, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Huge. Um, love, I don't know if you consider them old, but I guess they're they're they're, they're definitely rock. So. Uh, yeah. I I was I I, uh, I don't want to say they're progressive. Um, yeah. They, they are, but they're not. Um, yeah. Nah, I don't know. If, I don't know if Pink Floyd's considered progressive. Mm. The progressive, I really, I really like. Uh, I don't know if you can call them progressive, but they, they're a little bit progressive. And there's Gojira that I love. Yeah. Uh, Gojira, and uh, I don't know how to say it in English. Mastodon, uh, Mastodon. Oh, Mastodon. Yeah, Mastodon. Good, yeah. So I guess they're they're considered kind of progressive. And uh, yeah, I like both those those bands. And I know that they were touring together, and I was like, oh my god, mm. the perfect bill. I mean, like, I, I love. <laughs> Band, you know? I love Billy Idol. Oh yeah, big Billy Idol. Um, <laughs> yeah, love Oingo Boingo and Danny Elfman. Yeah. Love Oingo Boingo. I, I used to do a bit of uh, Billy Idol uh, when we were I was in bands back in the eighties as covers. We did a few Billy Idol. I had a, I was the one with the deepest voice in the bands. So I was able to, <laughs> I was the one uh, singing sort of the. the when it was time to do Billy Idol, I would do, uh, I think I was singing most of the parts. And the same thing when we were doing songs from The Doors. We okay. did The Doors. Jim Morrison, I was yeah. the one who would be able to pull it off, you know. So, like, uh, I, had to, I, could, I could go a little bit deeper than the others. So, so it was funny. Nirvana as well. I used to remember doing some Nirvana. Because like in the early 90s, they, they kind of like, they were really, really big. And you almost had a bit of Nirvana, and we were doing bars. So, uh, yeah, that was another one that I used. I used to take over the vocal duties for that. Something was funny. There, there were songs of Nirvana that I liked. Um, I, I wasn't a, a huge fan, uh, yeah. but, but there were quite a few songs that I, I enjoyed. Um, but after Kurt Cobain passed, uh, when Dave Grohl went and created Foo Fighters, love yeah. Foo Fighters. Yeah. Uh, I preferred more. I was more into Soundgarden back then. Okay. Soundgarden was good, yeah. Yeah, I, I really... From that movement, Soundgarden was the band that I was really into. I mean, I like Soundgarden. I, I like Soundgarden. Um, Jelly Poppers. The new Screaming Trees. Uh, Alice in Chains was really good. Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains was good. I like Soul Asylum. They were good. Um, Chili Peppers. Huge Chili Peppers fan as well. Yeah. yeah. They're not bad. They've had some good stuff. Yeah, they had a few good songs. Um, I used to love, uh, like, Going to more of the the metal stuff. I used to. I love uh, Testament. Was a great band. Oh yeah, Testament. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Life of Agony is good. Um, Middle Church. Middle Church, yes. Yeah. Um, there's a band that came out, they only came out with one album and then unfortunately broke up, but they're called Stomp Box. Um, it was, it came out like, I think back in the nineties, but anyway, uh, Stomp Box, it, it's an amazing album and it's too bad that the band broke up because they would have been really good. Yeah. But if you, if you ever get a chance, try to check out Stomp Box. I feel the same way with, uh, there was a band in the eighties called Ezo. It was E-Z-O and they were a band from Japan and Gene, oh, yeah. Gene Simmons brought them over and, uh, they had this look. Anyway, they... They made the most amazing album. The first album from Ezo, E-Z-O, was amazing. Then they did a second album, and the second album, it's almost like they they were trying to follow this trend. Like there was, Mm -hmm. um, everybody was doing sort of like glam metal or something. And it it kind of screwed them over. Like they ended up destroying the band because to me, that second album was just really, just wasn't it. Like, but the first mm-hmm. one, there's something magical about that first album. And then they broke up. He ended up becoming a singer for Loudness for a little while. And then Loudness, then the singer. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 the original singer came back. But um, but anyway, Ezo, that first album, my God, what a good album. It's too bad for that band. Like, some people, you know, some bands will, yeah, I think of like Guns N' Roses, who basically built a career <laughs> off one album. Uh, yeah, pretty like, much. I mean, sure, they did this double album, but do do people really remember the songs from those double albums? No, people. Yeah, are, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't the same. Yeah, it's that first album. So they built a whole career on this album, and I mean, it's a good album. I, don't get me wrong, but if you listen to that first album from Ezo, it's just as good. And it's like they they weren't able to build a career off one album. So it's, mm-hmm. right. it's strange how some things can happen for some people and then it won't happen for others. You know, it just depends on where you are. Just luck, you know, you just got lucky. Well, we, we were All talking right. uh, before show um, about some of the groups that I work with at Epcot uh, at the at the. Canada Pavilion. Um, and one group I mentioned is Bodacton. Uh, and one of the performers or one of the musicians in Bodacton has his own band, which is a, a heavy, heavy rock band. Uh, it's a group called Sandvice, S A N D V E I S S. And and their sound is very reminiscent of Black Sabbath, uh, mm. Caius, Tool, Mastodon. Oh, okay. uh, and they, they're Caius Love Tool. <laughs> They're out of uh, the Quebec City area. Um, But Mm. another group, going back to wrestling, another group that I also really enjoy is Fozzie, Chris Jericho's Fozzie. Okay. Nice. A a band that I just recently was listening to, just, you know, I go through uh, periods where I'm listening to more heavy and then I go a little bit more popish. And I guess this would be considered more pop for me is Dinosaur Pilot. I don't know if you're familiar with that band. No, I'm not familiar with that one. British band. And but they 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 have a very Foo Fighters type of style. Like to me, okay. Foo Fighters Foo Fighters is a little bit kind of commercial for me. So I see them a little bit like Foo Fighters, but they they, they mm-hmm. have good songs. And there there's a song that they they did on their last album called Thrash Metal Cassette. And that song is just like it's like he captured he captured the era. Like he really captured what it was like to be. A kid in the eighties, right? And listening to all this metal, and I think it's an amazing song. What, what's the name Dinosaur of the group again? Dinosaur Pileup. Dinosaur Pileup. Thrash, thrash metal cassette is just like 
I don't know. He just is like he. I mean, I, he's. I have written it down. So I'm gonna look them up. Yeah, look it up. Dinosaur Pilot and that that song, uh, Trash Metal Kiss. That was so, so. I mean, it just talked to me. You know, it was just yeah, man. He really gets. He really got what it was to be a kid back then. You know? sure. And but they have good songs. There's there's like four albums and uh, they're all pretty good. The last one was really good anyway. And uh, yeah, I love their stuff. It's, it's if you like Foo Fighters, you would enjoy that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, there's a little bit of Pixies in there too. If you like the Pixies. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. I like the Pixies. What? It's an interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pixies, uh, if you're wondering why I called my my uh, company and then my comic Pixie Tricks Comics, ah. because I merged uh, some of my favorite bands. In the name, so I'm a big fan of the Pixies. So Pixies, tricks because I'm a big fan of Cheap Trick. So Pixie, okay. so Pixie uh, okay. in the comics. So <laughs> it's sort of like uh, you can kind of tell the kind of stuff. But although I I do listen to much heavier stuff as well, but those bands are like for me the Pixies and Cheap Trick are like my uh, the bands that make me happy. Just put, put a smile on my face, you know. Right, like if, right. I'm, if I'm in a bad mood, and I want to be in a good mood. I, if I listen to the Pixies and the Cheap Trick, uh, it'll it'll put a smile on my face, you know. Mm. Generally, I'm listening to much heavier stuff, obviously, but um, uh, they're still very some of some of my favorite bands for sure. Uh, one of the bands I work with at Epcot, uh, two of the musicians are also part of. Uh, the guitar player is the lead singer and guitar two and our bass player is the lead guitarist for Riley's LA Guns. Oh, LA Guns! I remember that. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this is Riley's LA Guns because uh, oh. he they ended up uh, LA Guns stopped touring. Riley wanted to keep going um, okay. with the name. Then they just then the Gun Brothers decided they were going to come back, and then okay. they took Riley to court. And the settlement was they could still perform as LA Guns, but it has to be Riley's LA Guns. <laughs> So there's mm-hmm. Riley's LA Guns, LA Guns, uh, and they still do you know some of the original LA Gun stuff, but they also do their own stuff. Um, but you know my my uh, my band lead and my bass player uh, from the group at Epcot are out there with Riley's LA Guns. Like that's pretty cool. This is so wild. Here I am, you know, working with you know two top guys, yeah, yeah. you know, with a top band at a at a theme park show, nice. and, and they do a lot of stuff around town. And a great bunch of guys. Coming back to uh, uh, Guns N' Roses, and well, because you mentioned Riley's uh, LA Guns, it made me think of uh, Stephen Adler. Remember Stephen yeah. Adler, the drummer? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He has his own band called Stephen Adler's. I can't remember what it is, but he, he, he basically does a lot of Guns N' Roses songs with his band. But if you look it up, I mean, the stuff that he's doing, like, recently, like, in the last two, three years, he, he got a new singer. I think the singer's from Argentina. I'm not sure. Anyway, I swear to God, it's better than Guns N' Roses. <laughs> it's, no kidding. It's, huh. it's unbelievable. The singer that he found sounds, he sounds like Axel at his prime, you know, like the wow. way Axel used to sound back in the 80s. Right. And you have to look this up. It's, it's amazing how he sounds. It's just like... So he had a few singers, but it's the one that he has now—I can't remember the name—but uh, my God, you're listening to that and you think that you're actually listening Guns N' Roses from the '80s. Huh. It's, it's so good; it's like unbelievable. You know, you never, you never think that the, which is in a way 
sort of become like a cover band, but it, it sounds better than the, the actual Guns N' Roses. Right. <laughs> I still enjoy looking at Guns N' Roses like on YouTube, like videos, because I I think it's kind of funny. It's like a, I don't want to be, be mean or anything, but I, I don't know. Axel is almost becomes like a, a parody of himself. It's just, but it's it's funny. Yeah. yeah. So I don't mind. I, I enjoy it for that. Well, look look up Stephen Adler's band. You'll be surprised. Well, well, thank you for joining us this week uh, on this episode of Weeby Geeks. You can find G- Giselle's website at Giselle Legacy. That's L A G A C E dot com. Where else can they find you online? Uh, well, it would be pixietrickscomics.com. So pixie, P I X I E, tricks, T R I X. Comics, C-O-M-O-X. I like to X. I'm the one. I, I, I have nothing. I'm not like Elon Musk. <laughs> X. So that's pixiefreaks.com. <laughs> and uh, you go there. Uh, and uh, I think I just did it because I did to, to make it more original or anything. So, And uh, if you go there, you, you can check out a lot of the comics that I do at pixiefreaks.com. Right. And if you can't remember my name or whatever, just uh, look up Archie Meets Ramones and uh, you'll find the credits and then you'll, you'll find my name and then look me up. And, uh, oh, there we go. Yeah, that's a good way. I mean, I mean, it's easy to find. There's a wiki on me that it says all the work that I've worked on and uh, you can find my sites easily. But uh, if you stumble on Peace Comics, well, then you can read the comics directly on the site. So you can go back and read a whole bunch of stuff. If you buy the printed books, there's going to be extras and like uh, stuff that's exclusive to the printed uh, material and uh, yeah. editions. And there's also, just so people are clear, if they're looking for my work, they might be a little bit confused because there's two editions of almost everything that I do. Uh, because uh, I publish my own editions when I do the Kickstarter. But then uh, later on, uh, Udon... Uh, Udon Entertainment, who do all the Street Fighter stuff, because I also do like sometimes like covers for Street Fighter. Uh, they publish also an edition, but they do an omnibus edition, so it's like uh, two, like two volumes in one. So for like instance, Menara Trois, if you're buying my edition, I have ten volumes. If you're buying the Udon edition, there's like five volumes. Okay. But best thing to do is to check it out online, see if you like it. And uh, from there, you can decide. You can read it just there. You can buy the Kindle edition. You can, and then I also post uh, the um, the Picture Chicks comics, which is the latest series on Picture Chicks comics, but also on Instagram. So if you're someone who likes to go on Instagram, you can just go back and read the comic there. I find it more simple on the website, but you know, if you're someone who likes Instagram, you can, you can do it there. You know? Okay. Well, again, thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, it, it was a absolute pleasure and honor to have you on. Oh, thank you. It's fun. And uh, until next time. So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club this has been a weeby geeks production